This summer, we are doing a deep dive into the verse Micah 6.8, which we just sung in our confessional response. This passage of scripture that tells us that what God requires of us is to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. For uh, these three weeks, last week, this week, and next week, we are focused on the loving kindness part of this requirement. This is a translation of the Hebrew word hesed, which Mary Kay taught us something about last week. This is a word that's found nearly 250 times in the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament. And most of those times, the subject of this word, the one showing hesed, is God. God is the one who again and again exhibits the characteristic of compassion and kindness. But to best understand what it looks like for us to practice loving kindness, we are looking at biblical texts that show people exhibiting the kind of loving kindness that God first extends to us. Last week, Mary Kay looked at the remarkable example of Ruth, who shows hesed to Naomi. Today, we hear what might be for some of us a lesser-known story of David, Israel's greatest king. As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy God, the scriptures tell us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. Plant this words deep in our hearts today, that your word may indeed bear fruit in our lives. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. David asked, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and he was summoned to David. The king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. The king said, Is there anyone remaining of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, There remains a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? Ziba said to the king, He's in the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lo-Debar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lo-Debar. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and did obeisance. David said, Mephibosheth. He answered, I am your servant. David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. He did obeisance and said, What is your servant? that you should look upon a dead dog such as I. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, 
all that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amanda Ripley has been a journalist for the better part of two decades, which means she has not only created news, she's been a voracious consumer of it. Telling herself it was for her job, she devoured daily news from multiple sources, newspapers, magazines, radio, television, social media, all in the name of being a well-informed reporter. But about six years ago, something changed. The more news Amanda consumed, the worse she felt. She likened it to being a wheat farmer who suddenly developed a gluten allergy. The thing that used to feed and energize her, which also happened to be how she made her living, suddenly left her feeling lethargic, unmotivated, and depressed. So she started avoiding the news, first cutting back on certain sources, until finally she gave up on the news altogether. Amanda Ripley is not alone. Recent data shows that about 40% of Americans avoid contact with the news altogether, one of the highest rates in any country. All the coverage of mass shootings, climate catastrophes, political polarization, leaves many of us, if not all of us, feeling powerless and depressed. Of course, the media gravitates towards such stories because, paradoxically, these stories that stoke our anxiety and fear have the highest rates of engagement. In many ways, this same principle holds true for stories in the Bible, particularly stories of David. One of the best known is the story of David and Goliath, the classic story of the underdog defeating a terrible enemy. But that is a story rooted in violence and fear. It begins with Goliath threatening to annihilate David's people. The other story we probably know about David is that he had an affair with Bathsheba, and when she became pregnant, had her husband killed by putting him on the front lines of battle. Then there are many stories about David's prowess on the battlefield, stories that gleefully share how David the warrior killed thousands upon thousands of his enemies in brutal combat. The sensational stories of David's life, his childhood victory, battlefield successes, scandals, these are the stories that tend to stick in our memories and make for exciting retelling. But the story we just heard today, the story of David and Mephibosheth, in contrast is a story of redemption. 
of compassion, of loving kindness. And it reminds us that no person is one-dimensional or beyond mercy. Yes, if we think of all those stories we remember about David, it might seem out of character for him to exude loving kindness, especially at this time in his life when he seems fixated on power and military might. But if we look at David's life overall, we find that for the most part, it is not defined by his preferences or proclivities. David's life is defined by his relationship with God. And Hesed, loving kindness, is never out of character for God. As the youngest child of his family, the Bible refers to David as the runt, the baby. David spends his childhood as a shepherd, protecting sheep from wolves and bears. Given all the psalms that are attributed to David, it seems that these long and lonely days herding sheep developed in him a deep sense of God's presence and love and protection particularly for the underdog. Once David is appointed to be Israel's next king by the prophet Samuel, there is essentially a bounty on his head as King Saul seeks to destroy his successor. During this time, David is dependent on the care and kindness of others. And ironically, his dearest companion in this season is Saul's son, Jonathan. Now, today's story about Mephibosheth takes place after David is enthroned as king. But the kindness he shows suggests he hasn't forgotten the hesed he experienced when his own life was at risk. And there are ways in which Mephibosheth's life is at risk. His father and grandfather are dead, which means he no longer has access to their resources and protection, and he lives with a disability. He is a sheep without a shepherd. The story we read begins when David asks a question, is there anyone left from the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness, chesed, for Jonathan's sake? We aren't told what makes David go looking for family members of Saul, who was his enemy, or Jonathan, who was his friend. But in this question is embedded the complexity of David's relationship with this family. After all, a descendant of Saul and Jonathan would have had a claim to David's throne. So for him to go seeking them out was a risky move. But when David learns about Mephibosheth, including that he is crippled and therefore particularly vulnerable, David doesn't hesitate to proclaim his loyalty to his friend's son. I will show you kindness, he says. I will restore your lands. You will have a place at my table always. And indeed, the story ends with Mephibosheth living out his days like one of David's own sons. Micah's requirement that we imitate God by practicing hesed, loving kindness, 
is not just about responding with compassion and kindness when the opportunity presents itself. True hesed is something we can and should look for opportunities to share, even with those who don't know we are aware they exist, those who might be unrelated to us, those who might be convinced that they have been forgotten or cast aside. Nadia Murad grew up on a small farm in Iraq in a community of Yazidis, a persecuted and often misunderstood religious minority in the Middle East. Nadia was the youngest of 11 children. She was raised on a small farm by a single mother, and she was the only one of her siblings to attend school. Her family members worked hard to pay for her education, even when people in their village questioned their mother for sending her daughter to school instead of one of her sons. Of her childhood, Nadia remembers, I was happy because we were all together and working hard all the time to have a life of dignity. Her dream was to one day open a beauty salon in her village since this community of 1,700 people didn't have one, so people had to travel for any kinds of services. Nadia longed to help her people feel beautiful and empowered and dignified. But in February of 2014, ISIS raided their village, dividing families, brutally murdering many of the elderly, including Nadia's mother, and many of the men including six of Nadia's brothers, and enslaving the young women and girls, including Nadia, to be bought and sold among ISIS soldiers. Eventually, Nadia escaped captivity. She reunited with members of her family who had also survived, but they could not return to their ravaged village, so they lived in a refugee camp until they resettled in Germany. There, Nadia was invited by a journalist from the show 60 Minutes to tell her story. After much debate and discussion with her family members, knowing that speaking out could put all of them, and especially those who were still enslaved by ISIS, in danger, Nadia chose to tell her story. She says she spoke out because she was desperate for the rest of the world to know her people's plight. And she was hopeful that if people heard her story, they would do what they could to rescue those who were still suffering and to hold ISIS accountable. By telling her story to anyone who would listen to her, Nadia stirred compassion in the hearts and minds of people both government officials and civilians, many of whom had never even heard of Yazidis. She eventually started a nonprofit, Nadia's Initiative, which has basically operationalized Hesed as it works to free women and girls from trafficking and violence and help them reclaim their lives and their dignity. In 2018, Nadia was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for her work. In a recent speech, she reminded her audience that as tempting as it is for all of us to feel helpless and hopeless when we hear the news of division and violence and injustice in the world, 
Change comes when one person takes one step toward another person and extends compassion. Remembering the loving kindness she knew as a child growing up happy and free, Nadia now uses her regained freedom to help others and encourages us to do the same, to extend chesed particularly to those whose plight is often overlooked. David does the same thing. As a king, he uses his power and freedom to extend chesed to Mephibosheth, the kind of chesed he had known throughout his life in the best and worst of times. If, like Amanda Ripley, you have found yourself avoiding the news lately, you might have missed a good news story that managed to break into the headlines last week, photos from the Webb Telescope, which were published by NASA. These extraordinary images from deep space, some of them were 13 billion light years away. I can't get my head around that. These images made me feel simultaneously humbled and exalted. We are such a speck in this vast universe, and yet God cares for each one of us with astonishing tenderness and mercy. Realizing our place in the universe can make us feel insignificant, but it can also offer much-needed perspective about what really matters. There are people across the street, across our city, across our country, on the other side of the planet, maybe even down the pew, who are suffering mightily, who are desperately in need of the loving kindness our Bible calls chesed. So how can we use our power, our freedom, our resources to seek people out, to invite them to our literal and metaphorical tables as David does for Mephibosheth. Arguably, David's greatest achievement was writing the 23rd Psalm, a poem of consolation and promise that includes an image of a table, God's table, and which ends with these words, Surely goodness and mercy, hesed, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word follow, surely goodness and chesed will follow, is much stronger in Hebrew than it is in English. It has the connotation of being hunted down. That is how proactive God is with God's chesed. God's loving kindness pursues us with passion and perseverance our whole lives long. Like David, who does not wait for Mephibosheth to come to his doorstep and ask him for help, but goes looking for any of Jonathan's kin to whom he can show kindness, so God pursues us relentlessly to reveal the depth of God's hesed. 
And we, in turn, are invited to pursue others relentlessly and passionately, to extend loving kindness to those who need it most. Imagine how different the headlines of the daily news might be if people of faith, we who know of God's hesed, of the depth and breadth of God's kindness and compassion, if we went looking every day for people in need of it, to lend a hand, to include the excluded, to show mercy. I imagine if we did that, if we pursued others the way God pursues us, we might just discover that all of us living on this fragile, beautiful planet are in fact already dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, together. Amen.